Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Got my dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the genius work of art to the depths of my tortured psyche, haunted by shadows of inner demons and a tempest of profound emotions, from extreme despair to fleeting moments of euphoria, intertwining within the labyrinth of the mind, channeled into a body of work that not only captivates the observer, but also serves as a poignant reflection of the artist's relentless journey through the enigmatic landscapes of their tortured soul. Mr. Robert Lundgren, how you doing? One take! Look at that! (laughs) You were waiting, weren't you? You were waiting for me to hit the speed bump, but I never did! I know, I know. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I I was getting worried there near the end, Robert. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, how long can I keep this up? <laughs> One take. That's what they call me. That's not true. They don't call me that. I just generally get, hey, but I'll take it. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks. Thanks for asking. How are you? <laughs> See, I just, it's like hardwired. I have to answer it. <laughs> good Lord, we're off to a start here. As always, let's go ahead and start our episode off with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on and the servers humming and all these shenanigans are flowing. Hey, we have an announcement, don't we? Yeah, announce it. Episode 150 is coming up, which means it's Ask Me Anything time. We are looking for questions, lots and lots of questions that we can answer for you, but we're not going to answer them like normal people. No, we're going to do something absolutely stupid. Robert, what are we going to do? We've been watching the hot ones, and we're just going to steal it. Uh, I've been collecting hot sauces, and I've been telling you to get hot sauces. And I don't know if you can get the hot sauces that I bought now, but maybe maybe you'll just have to buy your own, Jonathan, to get a range. Just a range. Yeah, yeah. But, but As long uh, as we're, we're within a few Scoville of each other, it should be fine. But yes, uh, we're going to try to answer six questions, and each question we will eat a hot wing or something, whatever we feel like making for ourselves. I'm going to have the nugs. I'm not a wing guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've actually experimented with this. Um, wings are better because the oiliness of the wing actually cuts the heat pretty significantly, I, I came to find. So we'll, we'll Isn't see. that exciting for me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Thanks for that little factoid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my man. I came up with this like two years ago. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. So uh, uh, I bought a box set during Christmas that had uh, three of the, the Hot Ones hot sauces, including the last dab. So I will be doing that. Um, and then uh, Trader Joe's actually has a habanero hot sauce. It's surprisingly spicy. I'd, I'd highly recommend that one so far. But whatever you get, buddy, whatever you can get. So we're going to start low and hopefully get to the million plus. Um, I'm probably going to get. I got like I got trio pack. What, what else was in the trio pack? Uh, their their buffalo, which was their weakness, their weak sauce. They had the Las Calientes, the, the green one from I forget what seasons. But it's the one that they made. And then the, the last dab was the third one. In that uh, box yes, set. yes. I found a set of them for $23. That's about right. Seems That seems correct. 
But yeah, yeah, Jonathan, just order whatever you want. But I'm, I'm going to do two not too spicies. Like my second one might just be the classic sriracha because I love sriracha and I've got a big bottle of it right now. Sriracha is really good. By the way, if you're cooking with sriracha, uh, do not mix it with uh, excessive amounts of vinegar because you will turbo kick that sriracha into Scoville nightmare territory. Nice. Nice. And then, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I've got a ghost pepper hot sauce that I've had for quite a while. And uh, yeah, then I'll end with the last dab. So I think I got my six already. But whatever you feel like, Jonathan, just, you know, it's, it's honestly like the mid range is where I was having the most problems finding things like weak hot sauces, easy to find absurdly hot hot sauces, easy to find stuff that's kind of in between. Yeah, it really does escalate dramatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there you go. We're going to. We're going to have Can a you even buy sriracha anymore because like, my I, God, it's been sold out here forever. I, I've been able to get it in Oregon for a while now. It's been it's been uh, OK. Maybe maybe the maybe it's, maybe it's done. I think it is. I think their pepper problems have been done. I've been getting it fairly reliably. It's not as good as it used to be. Like, you know, it, it's not always a sure thing, but it's a more often than not thing around here. All right. T- you'll have to text me the, uh, the 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 Scovilles that I'm trying to hit just in case I cannot uh, find all the right ones. OK. Well, you've got you. Honestly, man, just go to any. I'm going to round up. I'm just saying, I'm going to round. Go, go to a natural grocer's and just get stuff. Melinda's. The problem is, a lot of hot sauces don't don't you know display their Scovilles because they don't bother to test for it. So Melinda's is good. Dave's is good. Um, and then yeah, obviously the hot ones stuff they they do it. But anyway, so we're going to have the totally like but legally distinct AMA uh, where we eat escalating hot wings and die next episode. That'll be fun. <laughs> Yay, death. Bring Yay. bring the Tums and a good book to read on that toilet later. <sighs> it's going to be a spicy one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, uh, also, what day is it, Robert? Happy National Comfy Day. Uh, <laughs> I'm comfy. Are you comfy? I, I'm very comfy. Uh, On February 20th, allow yourself to get comfortable and relax. It's time to get cozy in your favorite place and take a break from the daily grind. Uh, It's comfiest short for comfortable, blah, blah, blah. Use that hashtag, National Comfy Day. All right. Well, with all that out of the way, it's time, of course, for us to join our off-the-shelf segment. That is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the wonderful stuff that we've had off of our shelves, into our digital media players, into our physical media players, onto our tables, and most importantly, into our hearts. Robert, where do you want to get started today? Let's let's uh, let's shake it up. Let's start with reading and then go down. Re- yeah, no, yeah, reading. We'll go down and up. Inter- uh, every other from there. So reading first. Then we'll go RPGs. Then movies. Then video games. Then making. Then other, and we'll round out with board games. Man, I'm just along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> You've really made this a lot more complicated than I had the. It's a roller coaster, course. baby. That's what our viewers, oh, God. our listeners right. deserve. Just keep me, keep me on the rails, then. Keep me on the rails. Okay, so I'll make it easy for you. Uh, my my stint of not reading much of anything has continued. I've been reading tutorials on how to wire LEDs. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? You're rocking that proton pack and i know we're going to talk about that more shortly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i'm just letting you know you're rocking the hell out of that pro- proton I, I, pack. i'm aware i'm aware <laughs> it's like become very apparent to me you're acing you're acing the living daylights out of that proton pack mm-hmm. yeah it's it's looking really sexy i need to put it somewhere where i can see it more often because it's still in my like little nook and uh, i don't see it every day and I, anyway no, but, i'm pretty sh- sure about it sh- later gonna be later even to be later. being an adult later <laughs> 
All right. Uh, under books, I have actually been continuing to read. I've not had a ton of time to read, but I've been continuing to read about halfway through Fingerprints of the Gods. That is, of course, a book that I picked up after uh, it was mentioned on the um, the Y Files YouTube channel. If you are into spooky stuff, uh, if you are into aliens, weird, unexplainable, basically, it's just like an extended unsolved mysteries with a hint of X files. Yeah. I, I've been watching the Y files. Uh, well, we can loving t- the Y files. Yeah. We can, we can talk about that when we're talking about watching, but, uh, yeah. Fingerprints of the guy. So, uh, there's a guy on TikTok uh, called mini minute man, and he's actually factually an archeologist and he started a YouTube channel. And like the first real big thing he did was he spent about four and a half hours debunking, uh, the guy who wrote Fingerprints of the Gods, he has a Netflix documentary, and he tears it to shreds as much as he can. And it's it's pretty amazing. So. Well, I will say this. The the ideas presented by the book are interesting, but they are only ideas. There is no tangible proof offered. It's just all speculative thinking, mm-hmm. which is fine. He, he, you know, he's not trying to pass it off as, as anything but speculative thinking. He's never saying, oh, that's what the proof says. He's just saying, what if, what if this, what if that? It's interesting. Well, I would highly recommend watching his YouTube series. Uh, yeah, I'm planning on it once I get through the book. Once I get through the book, I want to finish it so I have a complete picture. Yeah, I don't know how much his thoughts have changed from that book to the Netflix series, but I mean, he kind of gives you a rundown of what he was talking about. It seems similar. Anyway, what else have you been reading? That's it, man. That's it. All right. All right. Uh, RPGs. Nada. I haven't done a damn thing. What about you, son? Nope, nope, because the only one I'm in right now is the one with you. Groovy. All right, that bounces up to movies and TV. All right, brace yourself. You want you want me to go first, or do you want to go, go first? Go ahead, after you. All right, we're not going to spend too much time on any of these, because really, frankly, there's not a ton here that, that we haven't already covered in one way, shape, or form. Uh, Forged in Fire continues to be something that I enjoy watching, and I'm really hoping that one day we see Ray's son on there. Uh, that would be amazing. I would be uh, fanboying it up if that was the case. Um, for some reason, I needed. I had. A, I had a lot of busy work. I, I imagine you uh, like dressed up like Will Ferrell and Elf, and just like, ah, I know him. I know him. Yeah, pretty much. That would be me. 100%. <laughs> so um, I needed something. I, I had a bunch of busy work to do at work, you know, stuff that takes uh, a lot of time, but not a lot of brain power. So I wanted to have something on in the background. And I put on Cowboys and Aliens. I like that. Movie. Man, there's a movie that just doesn't know what it wants to be. Just saying. It's all over the place. I, I still loved it. It was real. St- I still loved it, too. It's absolutely goofy and stupid and fun. Mm-hmm. And it's well put together. Mm-hmm. It's very competently put together. Agreed. But it really doesn't know what it wants to be. <laughs> it's just very confused. I'm OK with that. I started watching a show. I'm two episodes in. It's not a show you can really dive into because it's kind of depressing, but it's called Louder Milk. Okay. And uh, you know uh, Ron Livingston, the guy from... Uh, Office Space, yes. Go. Office Space. Okay. He is, uh, he's playing a recovered uh, alcoholic, recovering, I should say, alcoholic who is now counseling people. And it's very funny because he's very blunt and honest and does not, and, and very sarcastic, but also very sad because these people are going through some very difficult things and it's really tough to see people in that state so i recommend it it's a great watch but i'll also say that you know kind of be forewarned if you have that in your life like i've, I've had to deal with some of that in in my life 
um, it is it, it can be a little tough to watch sometimes. For the same reason, I put on the '90s masterpiece, Ray Liotta, with Ray Liotta, Mr. Ray Liotta, starring in No Escape, also featuring Mr. Ernie Hudson. You know, I remember watching that movie when I was a kid. Oh. I've never really wanted to watch it again. I don't remember that, it being very that, good. That, that's another movie that just doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird flick. It's a weird movie. Mm-hmm. Not to be conf- confused with the 2015 Owen Wilson, Pierce Brosnan film, No Escape. <laughs> we are, of course, talking about... <laughs> no, what the hell year was it? Um, 1994 classic starring Ray Liotta, uh, Lance Henriksen, uh, and Ernie Hudson. Those are the big three names that you would uh, recognize. Hmm. All three of them, by the way, acting their asses off, like seriously turning in the, the performances. And just the rest of the movie happens. And you're just sitting there just wondering, what the hell is going on? This is, of course, directed by Martin Campbell. Yes, the Mark, Martin Campbell of GoldenEye, Casino Royale uh, uh, you know, fame. So the movie is actually competently shot and put together. It's just like the script is freaking bananas, man. It's just absolute bananas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like. I think it was on Amazon. Oh, oh man, Prime that, that, that movie takes place know. in the near future of 2022. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> it's officially happening in our past. Man, they had some cool stuff in that version of 2022 that we didn't get. No, no. Yeah, I I, I remember that movie just not. Be, it, yeah, it's just weird. I, I would. You know what? When when I'm watching it, it, it the, the thought that I cannot get out of my head is, ew. Which studio exec dabbled in this? Like, which studio exec stuck their fingers in this and made it not work? Because it should work, and it doesn't work. I think you're being too kind to it, but whatever. Oh, okay. All right, so now onto the good stuff. You want to hear something I've You been... want to hear something really happy, by the way, about that movie? Something that will just make sure. your soul sing? Uh, Ernie Hudson said that he took the role uh, in that film because he, quote, wanted to get away as far away from civilization as he could following the making of The Crow. And the death of a star, Brandon Lee. You know, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, man, that's that. That's that makes me sad. <laughs> Hudson's a, an American gem. Like he doesn't deserve to be ever sad. True, true. I love you, Ernie Hudson. You like seriously, Ernie Hudson. That that, that man's a, a a legend. Definitely did not get enough respect in the first two Ghostbusters movies. No, and he's the soul of that movie. He he's us. He's the everyday guy that just gets dragged into it. The only reason Ghostbusters works is because we can associate with Ernie Hudson and be Ernie Hudson. As long as there's a steady paycheck involved, I'll believe anything you say. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> can I get that on a t-shirt? Because I'd wear that all day long. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I love you, Ernie Hudson. Did I tell you that I, I, uh, I, I, at work, um, one of the managers thought it would be fun. They got Ernie Hudson to record our entire division a cameo. <laughs> I didn't, you did not tell me that. Yeah, it was like a year or two ago. And oh my God, it was the best thing ever. Uh, and um, as it turns out, Ernie Hudson, definitely not a gamer. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> but he says that his kids are. He says that his kids really are. Well, there you go. All righty. Well, that brings us to the really, really good stuff. Um, let's start off with Masters of the Air. All right. 
That is, of course, from the minds that brought us uh, Band of Brothers and the Pacific. Oh, yeah, yeah, that Apple Plus series. Okay. Yes. Bit of a mixed bag. So let's talk about what works and what doesn't work. One of the things that does not work about Masters of the Air is that right from episode one, we're smack dab in the middle of combat and everything is happening. We never get a chance to really bond with the characters before they get put into peril. And that's something that both the Pacific and Band of Brothers did. Because if you remember, both of those shows, the first episode is getting to know the characters as they go through boot camp, as they get put into the armed forces, as they get ripped from civilian life and transported into, you know, uh, preparations for this war. And they really don't get put into peril until midway through episode two. And so without that attachment, you don't get an opportunity to get really invested in the characters. And that makes their peril kind of somehow weaker. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Now, once it gets going, though, and once you start to learn the characters, you can really you you do get attached to them. One of the things that I really respect about the show is um, they make it make it very clear very early on that just because you're a regular doesn't mean you're going to live long. Like and that that's the way it should be, because you're talking about uh, if, if you don't know your history, the American the, the, the Americans and the British had two very distinct methodologies to how they went about bombing during World War Two. The British would do conduct night raids. They would go up at night. They would bomb their targets, you know, in the middle of the night, the same the Germans were doing, and then they would return home. And it was very indiscriminate bombing. They could never really know if they were hitting their targets or not. It was all just estimated. It was, you know, wanton destruction. But the thing about night bombing is that it's a lot safer for you because it's a lot harder to see the airplanes, right? Wanton destruction? Yes, not wanton destruction, but want. wanton. Wanton, wanton, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hungry. I got the nibbles. I could go for a salad. But that's neither here nor there. The Americans, however, went about a very different bombing campaign. They would bomb in broad daylight, but they were using, uh, well, at the time it was a very advanced piece of optics called the Norton bomb site, which ended up, if you really want to get into the history, not being nearly what they thought it was in terms of uh, accuracy. But it was far more accurate than anything uh, that the British or the Germans had. And so they went on very specific bombing raids aiming to minimize splash damage to the surrounding communities and only take out military targets. But the problem was that they did this in broad daylight, making them far more susceptible to uh, enemy fighter cover and enemy uh, flat cover. And so these planes get tore up. Like, they get tore up in a serious way. If you know anything about aviation, they're... There's a lot of problems with the way the special effects are put together, like the things that only people like me would notice. But they're there. I, I feel the need to say it. But that said, it's a pretty damn good show. I'm really enjoying it. And it's a very high quality show. And then finally, the thing that I think we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. So I remember when I told you, uh, I'm like, you should watch that. I seriously think it's probably in my top 10 best movies I've ever watched. Where did it rank, Jonathan? Where did it rank? It's in my top five, easily, mm-hmm. without even breaking a sweat. That movie, every aspect of that movie is an absolute stroke of brilliance. And to wrap it all up in a story that heartfelt, that movie is a crowning achievement in everything that a movie can do that no other media can do. I don't know what to say about that movie. It was great. Like Everybody associated with that film brought their A-plus game and then some. 
and it it fires on every cylinder not an not a millisecond of film is wasted on anything but service to the core story and it is a remarkable achievement of filmmaking i i think it's one of the, maybe one of the most important movies ever made because it makes you seriously analyze so much about what we interpret as reality how we interpret our lives the decisions that we make i mean it's really just amazing and the performances every single one of those actors just showed up and and gave it their all and it's it's so evident it's an impressive feat an absolutely impressive feat i don't know that i'll ever see another movie of that quality again in my lifetime i hope but i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know what to say about that film it was uh it was really really impressive it was really good you know yeah, I laughed, I cried, I was moved. I mean, just honestly, just a remarkable film. Stop what you're doing, stop this podcast, just go watch it. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Go watch it. It is a, so good, so good. All right, shall we move on? No. Where's the roller coaster take us next? Uh, over to mine, we haven't done any of mine. Oh, there you go. All right, so we're continuing on with Rick and Morty. Uh, watching that all spool out in one thread has been interesting, and uh, the storytelling is actually surprisingly good if you pay attention to it. Um, then uh, last weekend with the girl, we watched Terminator One and Two, and it was oh, <laughs> it was so <laughs> interesting. She hated Terminator One, hated it, barely got through it was bitching about it the whole time. And you know what? Honestly, watching it, I don't blame her. I wouldn't necessarily say any of the characters in that film have, I don't know, an arc. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's all very, very 80s stock characters. You know, uh, Sarah Connor's a very damsel in distress. And, you know, you got the, the hunky action hero and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then we got to T2 and she loved that one. She loved it a lot. And yeah, well, because here's the difference. Terminator 1... Cameron had to give a bunch uh, on the script because he needed funding. Terminator 2, he was writing his own checks. Yep, yep, yep. So, and and that's, that's, you know, that's been every movie he's made since. Yeah, yeah. So that was good fun. And then uh, the wife and I, we started watching True Detective Season 4. And no spoilers? No spoilers. So, okay, so I just want to, I just want to be clear with you how... Like, if you look at the components that make up this show, how, how much it shouldn't work, right? Okay, so first off, the guy who originally did it, um, Nick P- Pizzolatto, Pizz- whatever his name is, they, they essentially fired him. He's not, has nothing to do with season four. His name's on it because he created it, but so, and, and Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson's names for, for similar reasons, I guess. But they're, they're, they, they, I'm sure none of them had anything to do with it, right? I think they're perma-producers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, basically, I don't know what was going on with season four, but they just kind of kind of let him go. So what they did instead was they went back to that thing that they did in the first season, you know, where they had one guy write the whole thing and then one director direct the whole thing and, and get these auteurs to do it. And so what which which makes a lot of sense because it makes for more cohesive storytelling, I think. Right, right. Which actually, by the way, the first three episodes of um, Masters of the Air were um Directed by uh, Carrie Joy Fukunaga, uh, who, of course, did um, season one of True Detective. 
So what they did instead was they got Issa Lopez. Uh, so I hadn't really heard of her before and I looked her up and she has done a lot of Mexican film and TV, like a lot. And, um, she's just starting to do stuff in America. Like just starting. This is like what I, I think this is like her second uh, English project. And so you'd think like, you know, Mexican hiring a Mexican filmmaker that she would, I don't know write about something that happens in Mexico or South America. No, no. What she chooses to write about instead is um, about a town in Alaska, <laughs> like Northern Alaska and really pay attention to, uh, uh, you know, the, the native people up there, like their stuff and, and, you know, tensions between the, you know, the, the white miners that live up there and then, you know, the, the locals and just, and just all this, all this stuff, which is, not what I was expecting when I was reading this uh, about this lady's history and, and things she's done. Uh, she's moving on after this to uh, produce something with uh, Guillermo del Toro, apparently. So, you know, good on her. And, oh, and uh, there you go. honestly, now I'm excited. Yeah. Like deserve, deserves every, everything of it. So yeah, season four, season four has been real good. And much like uh, seasons one and three, um, they are leaning heavy, heavy on their leads. And the leads in this case are Jodie Foster and uh, Kelly race. And, uh, uh, man, man, um, are they as good as Woody Harrelson and, uh, and, uh, Matthew McConaughey? I don't think so, but they're close. They're real. They're probably the best two leads I've seen. I didn't see season three, so I can't compare it to that, but they, um, Jodie Foster. Can we talk about how she hasn't been acting that long? Yeah, I know. She was a boxer. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And now she's an actress and she's holding her own across from Jodie Foster. Yes. Okay, let's just stop and think about what an achievement that is. Yes. Because Jodie Foster doesn't mess around. That lady brings the A and a half game. Yeah. 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 Um, and if you can sit there and hold your own in any one scene, let alone a series again, across from Jodie Foster, then you know what? You found your true calling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is only her third project. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's a woman writing a show about two female detectives and, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's definitely a different take, especially from that first series, which, which was about the dudes. Um, but yeah, no, I've been really enjoying it. Um, the, she's definitely leaning into some of the, the King and yellow sort of mythology that they established in the, in the first season. Um, like, it things I, I've heard that they've they've been making some direct linkages like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Of, well well it, like one of the detectives from season one is related to somebody in this season I I don't know about that but I um the 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 yellow sign in that show the the spiral that has definitely come back like definitely and and just yeah just king and yellow references have come back um <sighs> Look into it because I heard that they were making direct correlations between people that live up there and I, I will. I, I one of them is directly related to uh, Matthew McConaughey's character. I, I've been kind of I've been kind of like avoiding doing that just because I don't want to accidentally get spoilers. Because at, at the well, up until fairly recently, like literally last night, uh, you know, people were ahead of where I was in that. But yeah, and then the other the other weird weird moment in it is Christopher Eggleston is in that. You know, the Ninth Doctor is in that, and he 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 plays a character that is uh, a Jodie Foster character's sometimes lover, and they do have a sex scene in it. So I got to see the Ninth Doctor's 
bare old bottom, which was just not something I was expecting when it happened. I didn't see that one coming, and I, I, I don't know how to feel about that. But yeah. And he's doing like a Brooklyn accent, which is just hilarious. And convincingly, like if I didn't know it was the Ninth Doctor, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed it. But yeah, yeah. Dude's a chameleon. I know, I know. He's it, no, it's it's real good. It's real good. Like, oh, I can't wait to get started. I can't wait to get started. That's that's going to be what I watch as soon as I'm done with um, Masters of the Air. And uh, luckily, luckily, it's uh, it's only six episodes, so it's not not quite as it, it's not as hard. How to many are like, out right now? Four, five, five are out right now. Oh, okay. So maybe it's time to dip in. Maybe it's time to dip in. So yeah. Anyway, very, very, very good. Highly recommend. And that's it. Okay, so where are we going next? Video games. You tell me. Video games. Video games. All right. Continuing to play the finals. Having a great time. Um, It's everything I enjoy about a free-to-play game. And the destruction aspect is hysterical. And there's all kinds of cool stuff that you can interact with in the levels that they don't tell you about. Like, there's these cranes building, um, building things in the game. Well, if you crawl up to the control room... There's buttons, and you can actually control the crane and smash buildings with the wrecking ball. Ah. There's cannons on a on a level that's supposed to be like a future Monte Carlo. And as it turns out, if you run up behind the cannon and press the, the, the Y button or the triangle button, boom, you can actually set them off. The elevators all work with selectable floors and stuff like that. Like, it's just like weird little things that totally work. And it's awesome that they hit all this stuff in there. It's so neat. Um, Still... Going through Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I think I started before our last episode. I'm just chipping away at it. Mission here, mission there, nothing major. Uh, Amelia and I finally got around to beating uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. So now we are going through Batman Arkham City. We're about uh, a a fifth of the way through that game. And uh, it's funny because even she said, I miss miss the, the Arkham Asylum. And I said, I know, sweetie, I think all of us do. Mm-hmm. Like that that first game is just so tight and and well integrated with its its level design the city ones just they get a little bit too big for the britches in my opinion and then because it was on game pass i downloaded train sim world 4 and now when i need to relax i find myself just very casually running uh, a a commuter train in uh, germany between stations that's that's the thing i do now Hey Jonathan, Rob, Robert, help me. Have you? Uh, do you enjoy like having turned into a boomer? Oh God, yeah, it really is. It's so relaxing, Robert. I don't even know how to start. Like I just, I, I relax. I, I get like four or five stations into my route, and then I get real sleepy, and then I turn it off, and and I go to bed in a happy man. I'm a happy man. Yeah, you know, I, I my my dad really liked trains. So my dad really liked trains I'm, too. I'm into it. Maybe that's why I'm really into it. Mm. I don't know. And then I had the most fun. Do you know what I did? What'd you do? Um, Lincoln is super into fighting games like I am. So uh, when Tekken 8 came out, I went and sprung him from school early. And we went and had lunch together. And then we came home and played Tekken 8, even though he was supposed to be in school. That's some good parenting. That was great parenting. It was awesome. We're having so much fun. Tekken 8 is so much fun. You missed like two hours. I'm just giving you crap. I have no, I, it's, I, I, don't even I get me started can't, on public education in Texas. I yeah, it's pretty good out here. He didn't miss a damn thing. I, it's pretty nice out here. I got to say, I, I, I still love Oregon. 
but yeah, oh my gosh. And what a, hopefully what a great memory for him, um, sitting down and doing that. It was first time I've ever, uh, sprung one of the kids from school for something. It was fun. Nice. So allow me to tell you about my saga in destiny Two. Oh, geez. Okay. So there's this really, really busted build that, um, Titans can do. And I really, really, really want to try it, Jonathan. I really want to play this build, but it requires that you get one specific weapon that's hard to get from one specific dungeon. It's called the navigator. I really want it bad. Um, okay. So three weeks ago, the week after we stopped recording or whatever, they put that dungeon for the first time as the dungeon of the week, which means um, normally when you play a dungeon, you only get one chance to get the super awesome exotic weapon out of that dungeon, uh, like the navigator. And if you do it any time after that, it doesn't count. It, you just won't get it. You guaranteed will not get that, that weapon, no matter what, right? So, but when it's on, it's on the thing, you, you can get it as much as you want. And, and you can do some, some shenanigans where you can just load in a save where you just are at the last boss. So, Jonathan, we, my, my crew and me, ran that dungeon and we beat the last boss. And the last boss takes like 30, 40 minutes to do. It's a long fight. Yeah. And uh, I didn't get it. And uh, I still haven't gotten it. Jonathan, let me ask you, how many copies of the Navigator do both of my friends have and I have zero? I'm assuming multiple from the sound of it. The answer is one of my friends has two of them. And one of my friends has had five. And I have had zero. And oh, the, Dude, that's how the RNG works for me, too. Like, don't even get me started. I feel your pain so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, and here's the thing. Usually, I'm pretty lucky about that stuff. Like, usually I am. It's just every I so never. often, every so often I'm not, and it hurts. And and this is one of those where it's just like, like damn it. Like, you know, because I, I mean, I didn't think I was going to get it right away. But I, you know, and, here, and here's the thing, Jonathan. Here's the thing. If, if somebody in your party has that weapon, the odds of other people in the party getting it go up. And yet you still haven't got it. Yes. Yes. But my friend's gotten it yeah, five that, times. It's all tracks. You're, you're, you're speaking right to my soul right now. Anyway, uh, other than that, I've been playing Stellaris, although I put it down because uh, the PlayStation version of that game, after you get to a certain point, it becomes almost unplayable. Uh, and I, I just was like, I, I was trying to slog through it, but I just couldn't. And then uh, they had the free beta weekend of Skull and Bones, the game that we talked about in the very, very early days of this podcast, about how we should totally buy it and play it together. It's finally, it's finally coming out all these years later. I, I mean, I, for one, am excited, but hesitating as to whether or not I want to commit. Okay, so so at the same time, Helldivers 2 has come out, and I... Uh, Oh, I, I, I forgot to mention that. I picked up Helldivers 2. I haven't played much of it, but I've played enough to know that I'm having a good old time. Right, right. But Helldivers 2 is $40. Yes, very true. Skull and Bones is $70. $70. Starting at 70 Yes, yes. And, and that's the difference. Like, if it was $40, I would have seriously thought about buying it. No joke. But at $70, I'm like, I don't know if that's a $70 game, especially because they want me to buy a season pass on top of that, you know? And so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the black flag, it's black flag combat. It's just in, in a, <clears throat> in a service live service game. Like that's, that's straight up it. The pirate combat hasn't changed. Like the ship combat feels very similar. 
Um, you know, there's more weapons to get and there's more refinements and like different boats do slightly different things instead of just being progressively better as you get more stuff like it was in Black Flag. But overall, that's that's perfectly solid. It's just I I'm more worried about what the end game is going to be like, because once you max out in that game, like, what do you do? And I've seen stuff about where they're going to go with it. But I, I just want to see if people think it works. I kind of want to see where this is in a month or two when people have capped out and if they're still playing. Um but yeah, yeah, I, it was, it was fine. I, and, and here's the thing, like, I can't tell you anything particularly good about the game. You know, like a lot of people are describing it as eh, and I'm like, yeah, that's fairly accurate. But every time I was playing it, I was having a lot of fun. I was having a lot of fun. I mean, at the end of the day, all I needed to really do is a, let me sail the ocean and wreak havoc and B, let me, you know, easily team up with my buddies and do it with a group. Like, as long as those two things are checked off, I'm going to have a good time with it. See, that's the thing about online co-op games. If I can play online co-op, the quality of the game doesn't really have to be that high because I'm going to get my enjoyment out of doing the online co-op thing, you know? Yeah, but for 70 freaking dollars, I want to play that game for a while. I'm not even talking about the price point. I'm just saying. I am talking about the price point. Generally. I am talking about the price point. For 70 freaking dollars, I want to make sure that I'm going to play it for a while. Like, the end game has to be good. No, I hear you. I hear you. That makes perfect sense. And and, and seriously, from what I've been hearing about Helldivers 2, I totally want it. And for $40, it's much more of a, like, oh, yeah, I can see that. But... Anyway, anyway. So, yes, yeah, very solid, like, you know, 6-7. It's it's pretty solid, um, but... Dude, I didn't know you p- you picked up Helldivers. Now I'm really excited. I, I haven't picked up Helldivers. I've been thinking about it. Been thinking about it. Okay, well, if you do, I will drop with you. Okay, cool. All right, Jonathan. Uh, we're go- I think that... Uh, no, we have, uh, we have board games, yeah? Yeah, we have making stuff. You made something. You made something. Oh, yes, I did make something. The Lego Dune Ornithopter that I think we've mentioned on the show before and that I I did pre-order finally came out and was shipped to me. And I sat down over that week uh, over a weekend and spent way too many hours and got it all built up. And oh, my gosh, that kit is freaking amazing. Taking away the fact that it's a Dune kit, we're not even going there. You had me sold. It is the most technical thing I've ever built in really interesting in good ways like it was just a fun kit to build the whole thing is massively animated not only do the wings flap just like the ornithopter in the show but they um there's also a lever that you can pull that folds the wings back into its its storage uh configuration like you see in the in the movie and the uh landing gear skids are all animated as well you can make them fold up onto the body and stuff yeah it's just really well designed it's a genuinely interesting build and then like honestly like i'm staring right now at uh lego baron harkonnen like just hovering six legos above everybody else it's just hysterical it's always hysterical and it makes me happy (laughs) all right real quick i have uh i finished the shell of my proton pack and uh i am i bought a toy wand called the the mod wand it was from afterlife um because the the one that came with mine is super duper tiny and awful and so i'm getting my ducks in a row because i'm realizing uh it's going to be a lot easier to paint it with it together and uh i think i'd rather paint it together with all of the uh the lights already in it so i'm getting ready to put leds in it i've been doing a crash course and wiring leds which has been interesting 
And I, I actually, the day after tomorrow, I got to go back up to the, uh, the place I get my stuff from, uh, surplusgizmos.com, actual name of the place. And uh, I got to buy a nine volt battery pack because the one I bought was a little too big for, I bought a six volt one, but that took like four double A's or something like that. And it was too big for the amount of room I had. So I have to get a, I have to get a nine volt. But yeah, well, and I'm sending you some LEDs on Friday, yeah, baby. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, somebody on one of the uh, Proton Pack, uh, the 3D, three, uh, the three D printing Proton Pack. Uh, so one of the the gadgets that the Ghostbusters have is a belt gizmo, uh, which was made out of an old calculator from not TI but somebody else. And so he had this like little LED bar that he made into a belt gizmo because you know it it picks up on sound. So basically, as it's brushing against stuff and walking around like the lights will go off and and it looked really cool i'm like i want that i want to go there so uh yeah i got uh, and and i couldn't buy it on the website i had to get you to go to five below to get me a couple of them mission accomplished buddy mission accomplished and uh and that's it so board games jonathan go i played nothing uh not a ton of new ground to cover here we're going to be talking about canvas in depth in our deep dive so no not going to bring it up here um been playing hadrian's wall with ray ray I totally got your text message and totally forgot to respond to you. But yes, I've taken my turn. Um, And yes, your text messages are always welcome, my friend. Please feel free to send them. Uh, I am not good about checking board game arena on a regular basis. That's totally on me. Uh, I also got a chance to sit down and play some Rally Man. And um, because I've got it on my phone, I have been playing the Living Daylights out of Jaipur anytime I get stuck in a line. That's all. Cool, cool, cool. I've talked about Rally Man and Jaipur at length on this podcast. Uh, Jaipur, always welcome on my table. Like, that game just never stops loving me. Nice. All right, which brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, which means it's breaky-break time, and when we come back, it will be time for our off, or pardon me, it will be time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. We'll be back in just a moment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following... You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find a link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And of course, you can email us at FMDPodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, God, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back for the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. That is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the news from the last few weeks. Robert, you want to get us started or do you want me to? Sure. Uh, I like the first one. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast has announced release dates for this year and beyond. Uh, first up, we've got Vecna. Wow, my voice just cracked like a teenager. Uh, congratulations <laughs> on puberty, my friend. I'm excited for you. Vecna, Eve of Ruin, a level 10 to 20 adventure where you stop Vecna from taking control of the multiverse. That comes out in May 21st, so we have like no product between now and then, which is wild. It's a long time without product. 
Yeah. Uh, the making of the original Dungeons and Dragons, 1970 to 1977. Uh, that'll be out on June 18th. Quests from the Infinite Staircase, a new anthology of adventures reprinted from various sources and updated to the fifth edition. Levels 1 through 13, July 16th. Then here we go. Player's Handbook 2024, which is a dumb, dumb name, but whatever. AKA D&D 1, 5.5, whatever. The new Player's Handbook, September 17th. Dungeon Master's Guide 2024, you know, D&D 1, 5.5, blah, 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 blah. The new DMG. I didn't write down the date. That's okay. <laughs> November 12th, 2024. And rounding out the new books, Monster Manual 2025 will be out in February 18th, 2025, almost a year from now. Actually, just over or just under a year from now when uh, this comes out, which... I, I told him, man, make the monster book first. It, it's, it, it's, you can run a game. You can start a new game up without magic items, but you know what you can't start a new game up with? No freaking monsters to fight. Just saying. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <sighs> anyway, but nobody ever listens to me. Every time I say that, they're like, no, it should be the monster, man, or the DMG should be at second. It's like, why? Why? What's in there that you so desperately need? Because I'll tell you what you do need. You need monsters. Anyway, whatever. Well, Modiphius Entertainment has made an interesting announcement. They are bringing out a new edition of the card game Dark Deeds. Uh, originally created by Andy Chambers and Mark Gibbons. That is a strategy game set for two to five players in a fictional city. And there's some really interesting stuff coming. Uh, this is an interesting story. The game came out considerably before the COVID-19 pandemic. And during the pandemic... Um, the, one of the creators of the original game, Mark Gibbons had this idea, Hey, I want to take another stab at the game, see what we can clean up and make it a little bit more modernized. And so he has been working on dark deeds, second stab, and it was refined and tested almost exclusively on tabletopia. Hmm. So it's kind of an interesting, uh, thing. Uh, Mark Gibbons has a notable history. He has worked with riot games, games, workshop, blizzard entertainment many moons ago, um, and, uh, yeah, this is, uh, exciting. I've played the original Dark Deeds and I can say the original one was fun. Uh, I'm very curious to see these changes that they've made to modernize it. So that is coming relatively soon from Modifius. In fact, let me see if they have a release date on their website. Uh, that's a solid no, but you can pre-order it on their website, which is cool. How about no? How about no? Catalyst Games Labs has announced the 40th anniversary cover box sets for Battletech Miniatures game. They are going to reprint the beginner box and Battletech a game of armored combat. These releases will celebrate the 40th anniversary with brand spanking new cover art and the exact same stuff on the inside. But you know what? It's the 40th anniversary, baby. Gotta, gotta do what you gotta do. Well, Modifius wasn't done yet with their drops. Uh, they also have dropped a release of... The beat? Did they drop the beat? No. <laughs> Almost, though. For looking, at the, uh, looking at this cover here. Star Trek Adventures, the Federation Klingon War Tactical Campaign. So they're trying to add additional storylines and additional experiences by creating a more structured campaign with a bunch of tactical encounters in it, which is interesting. It's a six-mission campaign. And it really just focuses on the conflict between the Klingons and the Federation uh, that, that is so often hinted at in all of the Star Trek uh, shows. 
It's a procedurally generated campaign overlay, which is really kind of interesting. And it's going to give you six brand new playable species. The Coordinate, the Beetle, Beetlejuiceans, the Ariolos, the Arcadians, the Megarites, and the Anar. There's also going to be a bunch of rules, optional rules, additional character talents, 20 war-focused mission briefs, and a bunch of additional scenarios. So that is the Federation Klingon War Tactical Campaign, also available for pre-order at Modifius's website. Let's see if this one has a release date. Solid no on that. That's all I got. Well, actor Joe Magnello has confirmed that the Dean or that the Dragonlance TV show that he had been working on as a passion project is officially going nowhere. It is it is over. And he's having uh, a go of it. This has not been his six months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to hug him. Joe, if you're out there listening, like, seriously, bro, let's go have a beer. Let's talk about it. Uh, over on the comicbook.com, he he spilled a lot of tea about that, and it was it was an interesting thing to watch. Go go over there if you wanna if you want to know more. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's over, which is sad because you know I think in this Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings power, you know the the the, the rings of power, like that would have been good. I think. And you know what? He was talking about adding character stuff to those novels, which it could really use because I read them when I was a kid and I was really, really into them. And then I read them in my, I started reading the first one in my late twenties. I was like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) you know that when you watch something from when you're a kid and you thought it was awesome. And then you start reading as an adult, you're like, Oh my, Oh my. This is, this is not as good as I remember. Um, Like a bunch of stuff. I mean, we've talked exclusively about it or extensively, excuse me. We've talked extensively about it here on the show. Like, that happens it, all the time. Oh, my God, 80s movies. 80s movies, you regularly just watch them and just go, oh, how, 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 Dad? Why did you take me to see that when I was nine? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hold on. Was it RoboCop? How old was I when RoboCop came out? Was that 88 or 89? 87. Okay. <laughs> when did it come out? Because we saw it in theaters perfect example i was nine when my dad took me to see robocop like legitimately nine i turned 10 later that year (laughs) what as a as a parent in 2023 robert or 24 excuse me would you would you ever watch the original robocop with your kids before they were about like say at least 14 15 years old at least it kind of depends on the kid because I'm kind of doing that with Aylin right now. <clears throat> but, oh, but dude, there's some scenes ma- in that. Ma- Maturity-wise, she's punching a bit above her weight class, but yeah, I I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, the way there's hookers, this, there's blow. Jonathan, Jonathan, <laughs> the way things are going with my with my boys, no, definitely no. Yeah, her, yeah. Honestly, like I don't think she'd like that movie. So that's like I I it, I, I haven't thought about it beyond that. <laughs> I, I know what you mean about it being, you know, different from kid to kid, but just generally speaking, like, mm-hmm. let's say you don't know the kid, like who's walking into freaking RoboCop with a nine year old. <laughs> and it wasn't that I wasn't prepared for it. I mean, obviously I came out. Okay. I've managed to not, you know, commit massive crimes or anything, but like, seriously, like that's, that's, a, that's a messed up movie. Like I still to this day am disturbed by the scene where the guy falls into the toxic vat and then he's like walking around and gets hit by the car and basically just explodes like that still haunts me to this day. So there you go. It's not that he explodes. It's that they have to use the windshield wipers to just get the. (laughs) Yeah, 
has is just effed up, man. It's just all <laughs> matter of effed up. Like it just, I should not have seen that as a nine year old. I fully, fully am cognizant of that now as a 46 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Lord. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, so yes, you ready for my big news? Yeah. You've heard about a little game called Dominion, right? This mm-hmm. little thing kind of, you know, pioneered the whole deck building genre. Tiny little thing. Only 15 massive expansions, 500 mm-hmm. unique cards. Well, guess what? It's available for free, launching on iOS, Android, and Steam. Hmm. It's a free-to-play title. Uh, you get the base set of cards at no cost. And then, of course, between $4.99 and $10.99 for all of the expansions. There is a launch bundle available at a discounted rate that gives you all 15 if you really got to have that, uh, you know, complete set. But there you go. Comes in multiple languages, English, Japanese, French, and German. There's going to be scorekeeping, hints, all kinds of rules enforcement, quality of life things. You can play solo, play against AI, daily challenges, all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's the, getting the whole the whole thing. So, I, you know what? I've been... I'm downloading it right now. Mm. App Store. I didn't even realize this come out until I found this uh, story earlier today. Not Domino's. Dominion. There we go. Strategy deck builder. Boom. Installed. We should play, Robert. There we go. So there you go. Dominion now available on your iOS devices or Android devices or Steam. And that's all I got for news. How about you? Mm, I'm done. I'm done. All right. Well, that takes us... Uh, we're skipping a king in a We're skipping Right? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't watch it. Uh, I didn't either. Uh, so no man. king in no king in all uh, what is it? King of all I, things? King in all things. I, I watched the preview for Dolan's Cadillac Bad. I'm like, oh my god. This is gonna be a uh, poop looks, show. Yeah, this it, is gonna it, be it, a poop it, show. It, yeah. Neither Robert nor I had an opportunity to sit and watch it before this episode. So we will be returning to A King in All Things in the next episode. We haven't forgotten about it. It just didn't work out this time. But we do have time for... I, oh, I hate to say it. I completely... I thought we had another week. I lost track of the weeks. Yeah, you and me both. We now, of course, do have time for A Year in the Life, though. This is, of course, our segment where we look at what we deep dove a year ago and we get to talk about it again. I believe that was uh, Forgot My Dice 137. And 138. Here watching events and having an excuse to do something stupid is its own reward. Uh, We did our (laughs) predictions. You know what? I'm sorry. That's advice that still holds true, my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did predictions and we talked about romantic games. Oh, there you go. Were we talking about Pasión de los Pasiones? I don't know. There's something we still need to run. We need to run. We need to run that live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our year in the life, which means it is break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our. And when we return, it'll be time for our deep dive. And today oh, we'll be deep diving Canvas. So we'll see you back in just a moment. God, Jonathan, you know what we watched as part of that? What? Dreamcatcher. <laughs> oh, 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 God, it's already been a year. Yeah. God, yeah. it tastes like it happened just yesterday. You know, that little taste of vomit in the back of your throat? Yeah, it's still mm-hmm. there. Yeah. 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 All right. We'll see you on the other side. 
Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And on today's episode, we are deep diving Canvas. In Canvas, you play as a painter completing or competing in an art competition. Hold, hold on. I made it through that entire intro in one take. I'm just pointing out the fact that I think that's the one thing I'm good at because you're kicking my ass on the predictions this year, I'm sure. That's all. I had to have my win, damn it. That, that is literally all I could find about Canvas. I, everything else was just describing how the game played, which isn't my freaking job. It's your job. I mean, but there's not a whole lot more to it. That's, that's pretty much an apt description of what's going on. Like, this there's, there's, there's is not a, a deep I'm just story saying, game. I'm just saying, how does it play, Jonathan? That's not my job. That's your job. I'm not going to read that. I refuse. <laughs> all right. Well, let's 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 jump into it. Let's talk about how it plays. So first you get everything all set up. You got a lovely Canvas mat, um, actual like fabric mat that you lay out on the table. And on that, you're going to put out a bunch of scoring cards, four to be exact, Um, one in red, one in green, one in blue, one in purple. And basically, those scoring cards are going to be different. You can randomize them. You can intentionally pick for certain scenarios that you that are laid out in the instruction book, any number of things. And those give you the, the things that you are trying to accomplish with the art that you're about to create, because in this game, each player is going to be uh, creating three distinctly different paintings. And those paintings are going to consist of some of the prettiest see-through cards I have ever seen that get laid out in a store on that same mat where you can see five working from left to right. And then you've got a whole stack of of potentials that are hidden inside of a deck box. And um, yeah, basically in the game, there's, there's really only a couple of things that you're doing. On your turn, you get to either take an art card from the store Uh, or you complete a painting and you cannot complete a painting until you have at least three art cards. You've got a hand limit of five, so you can have up to five cards in your hand. Each of the art cards is going to have different scoring, uh, on them. It's going to be a variation of colors from a palette and symbols that are listed along the bottom of the card. And when you stack the cards, uh, letting them see through each other, um, and depending on the order that you put them in, you can actually have, uh, you know, let's say you have two cards with a red triangle on it. One of them has two triangles. One of them has one. Depending on what rule you are trying to uh, chase for scoring, you could stack them so that uh, whichever one is going to make you the most points is on top. Does that all make sense? That all makes sense. So the um, yeah, basically you're going to be taking art cards, constructing the three that make the most sense together, that satisfy the most rules up top, and then whoever has the most points at the end of that uh, is going to win. And the scoring cards are all going to give you different numbers of little ribbons, and those ribbons translate to essentially points at the end of the game. So in terms of the scoring, that can look a a variety of different ways. Take, for instance, variety. Variety says that you need to have four distinct element icons on the bottom of the cards. There is a hue one, which is like a color wheel, a shape, which is represented by a triangle, a texture, which is represented by a striped box, and then tone, which is like a circle with a shadow gradient that's been penciled into it, right? And it says, 
if you have a hue, a shape, a texture, and a tone on a card, you get a ribbon when you turn in your painting. You can only turn in three paintings any given game, so you only get three chances to score. So if you turn in a painting and it has all four of those symbols showing on the bottom of the card, you get to take a red token. Now let's say that you're looking at the second scoring card, and the second scoring card has shape plus shape, so triangle plus triangle. That means anytime you have two triangles next to each other in that list of symbols along the bottom of your card, you get to take a scoring token. And because that particular score can be achieved more than once in a turn, you get different numbers of points based on how many of those um, ribbons you collect. So, for instance, in the, in the um, first scoring example I gave you, you get four points for one ribbon, eight points for two ribbons, and 13 points for three ribbons, right? Meaning that you can only get that ribbon once every painting you turn in for a maximum of three. Make sense? Makes sense. On the triangle next to triangle, because you can score that more than once, it actually has point values all the way up to four ribbons, meaning that you can actually score it more than once on one turn and potentially completely finish it out so that you don't even need to worry about it in future turns. And all four of the scoring cards are always going to be vastly different from each other. There's not a lot of um, sameness in those, in those scorings. So that means that you're always going to have lots of different things to chase. And that's really the crux of the game, because as you're doing, taking your cards, there's an element of luck because of what comes up in the store, but there's also a lot of decision-making because you have to figure out, like, what am I going to chase here? Am I going to chase high points over here, or am I going to chase high points over there? Can I combine these so that I can score more than one of these scoring cards in, uh, when I turn this in? All kinds of stuff like that. It's, it's a really brilliant setup. Now, there's one other thing that I want to... Uh, talk about. And that is when you take an art card, you also have these little palettes that you have in your hand. Uh, and they're called inspiration tokens. And basically, if you take the first card in the store, you don't have to pay any inspiration. You just take it and you're good to go. Every card up the ladder of the store subsequently, you have to put an inspiration token on each card until you get to the one that you're going to take meaning that there is a bit of an economy in the game letting you purchase stuff well before uh, other people maybe can afford to purchase it, meaning that you do get a chance to kind of, uh, you know, uh, jump ahead of other people in line, so to speak. Does that all make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, every turn, you're either going to take a card or you're going to score a painting. So you're going to take cards from the store, you're going to wait till you have... um, the number in your hand up to five that gets you the painting that you want. You take three of them, you stack them in the way that makes the most sense for scoring what you're trying to score. And then you put them into a sleeve and you present that painting, which will have a unique combination of words and a unique um, set of, of, of elements uh, for everybody to see. And the coolest part is all of the different art elements on these cards are, you see a lot of stuff from very well-known, very well-renowned paintings. So it's a lot of actual art, and you're taking these elements and smashing them together into new and interesting ways. So it's a very visually, visually pretty game. And that's it. That That is the, the essence of how you play Canvas. Very straightforward, but absolutely stunning and fun. What a great mind puzzle. How does the rulebook explain that? Is it do good, bad? Yeah, no, the rulebook's fantastic. It's very, very short, as you can imagine. 
there's one page dedicated to explaining the symbology on the art cards and how that works. There's one page dedicated to setting up the game and how that works. There is one page dedicated to the act of taking an art card and how you have to put the inspiration down and how you move the store and refill the store, etc. And then there's a page dedicated to completing a painting and it explores all the different ways that you can score and gives some really great examples on um, how each, uh, it basically gives you three completed paintings and gives you an example of how each of those three would score in a game using some sample score um, scoring conditions. And then the greatest thing is there's a one to two player variant, a one player variant for solo scoring. There are nine different scenarios that are listed in the in the rule book, basically giving you specific scoring cards that you are trying to work against and a scoring target that you're trying to get to. And and this is really fun. There are achievements in the game that you can check off on the back page of the manual once you've completed the specific thing that it's looking for. Oh, so uh, you already said it's real pretty, but uh, how are the components? Well, okay, so there's two versions of this game floating around. There is a um, basic version, which is what most people would get. You get the canvas playing area, and you get all the see-through cards, but all of your ribbons and all of your inspiration chits are made out of cardboard. Then there's a uh, more upgraded version, which was the Kickstarter version, which is what I have, and that is the one that comes with wooden in, uh, tokens instead of all of the uh, cardboard tokens. And in terms of build quality, everything is gorgeous. The see-through cards are absolutely stunning. They're, they're plastic cards. They, um, they beautifully portray the art. I mean, the colors just pop off these cards. And when you combine them up on top of each other, you really do get unique and interesting paintings. It comes with a bunch of sleeves to keep everything sleeved up for uh, when you do your combinations. And it even comes with extra sleeves that you can use for the scoring cards so that those don't get worn down. Is there anything off in the execution of this game? Not even a little bit. This game is so tightly designed and so much fun. Um, I played it with, I played the solo variant. I played with two people and I played with three people. And um, I ran a a version of it just playing with, with five different players just to see what it, what it, how it would behave. And... It works on all levels. The The variants that they've included in the instruction book are fun, and the scorer targets really give you something to shoot for. The um, two-player variant is particularly interesting. I had a lot of fun with that. It changes a couple of basic rules of the game and how things are scored. And the th- you know basically just the standard game, the, the way it was originally designed, is just it's elegant, it's fun, it does not take a long time. Most of our games were wrapping up in 15 to 20 minutes, so you don't have a lot of downtime. You're just getting it done. And it's it's just lovely. And the puzzle of trying to figure out what combination of those symbols is going to get you the maximum score is so much fun. It's just a great puzzle. All right. And so you've played it with all these different player types. Is there any one better than the other? No, that was the coolest thing. Because like normally a game like this really wouldn't resonate with me uh, from a solo perspective. But they give you these point targets that you're trying to hit. And that's really engaging. Basically, like, if uh, 25 points is easy, 30 points is normal, 35 points is hard, and 40 points is master. You basically choose a difficulty level before the game, and then you're just trying to get it and uh, and see if you, you can achieve that, that level of score. The scenarios are particularly engaging, too, because it 
it takes away the, the, the randomness, and there are simplified variants, standard variants, and complex variants. The simplified variants generally take one or two of the scoring cards out, meaning that you're only tracking two scoring conditions instead of four. Uh, great for getting people into the game for the first time. Uh, the standard ones are you're using all four, but they are the, the easier scoring conditions to complete. And then the complex ones lean into the, the very difficult scoring cards, the ones that are, are for expert players. All right, Jonathan, and you have one last thing you can say about the game. What do you want to say? This game is perfect for beginner groups and expert groups. It's a looker on the table because it's so colorful. The box is colorful. The cards are colorful, colorful, are colorful. Everything pops off the table and is a joy to play. And the best part is that each person is trying to solve their own puzzle, but there is still a little bit of player against player interaction as you take things from the store that might affect another player. And so it's a really, it's that kind of perfect balance between playing against each other, but playing your own game. So you never really feel super adversarial. It's, it's just a fun, elegant game that is just a great addition to any table. Yeah, you can get it for like 45 bucks on eBay or I mean 45 bucks on Amazon. Nice. That's not bad at all these days. All right. That is especially with the plastic cards. That's that's a really good price, actually. All right. And that is Canvas brought to you by R2i Games Road to Infamy. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Episode 149 in the can, Robert. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We would love to hear from you. Is Discord still firing off more than anything else? Yeah. Check the Discord. Robert, any final thoughts, my friend? Yeah. I don't know how I managed to pull it off, Jonathan, but I've gone from like a complete newbie with this whole Proton Pack business to one of the elder statesmen, like pretty fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I pulled that off. I don't know how I did, but I'm, I'm like, I'm like pretty smart. You found your thing, man. You found your jam. I guess. Lean into it, man. Like, you've got a talent. Like, I've always thought you had a talent in the the painting and modeling arena. Now you're just scaling it up. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised how well that that applied. Man, my my proton pack looks good. It looks It does, man. It does. Post some pictures in the Discord, because that thing looks sexy. Yeah, yeah. I bought a... uh, I I, I took my... (laughs) I dipped my first toe into Timu. (laughs) You know about Timu? No, what is Timu? Timu is, is like uh, Amazon, but it's like um, it, it, they, they ship all the stuff direct to you from like China. So it's like just they have like a giant warehouse full of just like plastic crap and nonsense, you know, like giant posters of like the Starship Enterprise. And it's like it's like the Spencer's Gifts of the Internet. That's probably the best way to describe it. You, don't, you remember Spencer's Gifts? I don't even know if they're around anymore in the malls. Oh, yeah, I remember Spencer's. Yeah. I yeah. remember there was a lot of tie dye, a lot of rainbow and a lot of weird things yeah. on the wall. Yeah. But they had uh, they had a, they had an Alice Frame backpack for for the whole thing for cheaper than I've I found just the just the frame with no straps uh, generally. So I'm like, you know what? All right, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. So I I, I bought one. Uh, it says it'll be here sometime in March because they got to ship it from China. But yeah, they have all sorts of like weird fake Lego sets and just yeah, just just nonsense. And the algorithm, man, the algorithm has some funny opinions of me because, you know, I got a military backpack, so it keeps sending me all this, like, military cosplay crap, and I'm like, no, I, I'm not really interested in any of that. 
And then uh, it knows that I've been looking at, you know, Ghostbusters and some nerdy stuff. So it's like, oh, you must be really into cars. So now it's giving me all this like car stuff. And I'm like, no, no, I'm really not that into cars. Thank you, though. Thank you, Timu. Thank you for trying. You're so cute. <laughs> Dude, I'm having a hard time not just buying you an Ernie Hudson video right now. They're only $200. <laughs> nice. I'm putting that in my pocket. There's going to be a special day where you're going to need it. And Ernie's going to come to the rescue. Also, man. that man just doesn't age. My God, he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. 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 How old is he? He's got to be in his 70s. You know, if you really want to spend $200 and make my day, uh, go go on to Spirit, Hall- uh, Spirit Halloween and like with some sort of coupon and get me a, a $250 full-size backpack because or proton pack because I, I have decided that's my next project. I'm going to do a full-size one and I will... Pass. I'm there for this. I'm I'm, for this. I will pass Dude. the one I'm working on to my wife, and we will be Ghostbusters for Halloween forever. Dude, Ernie Hudson is 78. I know. All of them. He are like, looks like he's 50, maybe. All of them are that old man. I'm 46, and I look like I'm 117. For ah, what am I doing wrong? You All know right, what? I'm you done. Know, I'm you know, done. This episode's you know, done. Yeah. This, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, people on the internet were like complaining of like, how could Egon have a kid that that's old, that's so old and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, dude Egon was in his freaking late thirties, early forties in the original movie. Yeah, he was, he was. What, what do you mean? How could it be? Exactly. What yeah. does that even mean? <laughs> that's just dumb. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You've now made me officially upset at the world. Thanks. You ruined Monday, Robert. No, you didn't. That's, I love you. That's that's hard to do. That's not hard to do, man. Monday yeah, it's hard to do. That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to allow that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. So only one thing left to say. Party on, Robert. Be excellent to one another and party on. Yeah, Je- I sure f***ed that up, didn't I? Let's try that again. Only one last. God, I can't even. I'm so f***ed up right now. Only one last thing to say, Robert, and that is to be excellent to one another and party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. Let's, let's talk about how I nailed take one on the, the beginning and then it takes me like 837 takes just to get the outro. Like, I just don't even understand the way my brain works. Nothing works anymore. We are old. What? We are old. No, I know. That was the joke. <laughs> I know, but I had to repeat it. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 